Right now at Safeway, shop the big BOGO sale and get all your favorite cleaning essentials. Buy one, get one 50% off. Head into Safeway and shop for select items like Febreze air fresheners, Airwick scented oil refills, Glade three-wick candles, Mr. Clean antibacterial cleaner, Method all-purpose cleaner, or soft scrub cleanser. And get them buy one, get one 50% off. Offer expires November 28th. Restrictions apply. Visit Safeway.com or head into your local store for full offer details. Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay. Then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing. Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop-off and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today. You Again, this is Bishop Kevin Foreman. Welcome tonight. It's going to be a great time together as I have the privilege of being able to pour into you. Let's start with prayer, and then we're going to get started. Father, we thank you for these incredible, awesome, world-changing, world-class leaders of excellence. Thank you for the privilege of being able to pour into them tonight. I pray that as I pour, that they would receive results, that they would receive clarity, vision, structure, strategy tonight for moving in the things that you have ordained. You have ordained that this would be a year. This is the first call in a new year. This is the first leadership talk in a new year. You have declared that this would be a year of manifestation. That means what we prepared for, we're going to possess. What we have sown for, we're going to see. Uh, and we expect that to happen now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hey, listen, everybody. Uh, again, I'm excited tonight for our time together. I encourage you to be in a place where you can take notes. If not, uh, our talk will be on our leadership podcast that you can get your hands on. As I've mentioned, uh, through a variety of ways, iTunes and iHeartRadio and Spotify and a variety of other places, you can get the podcast. Just search Bishop Kevin Foreman and, and or Harvest Church, and it'll come up for you. You'll know it's us because you'll see that V that's in our name, Harvest. And when you see that V, you'll know that's where you want to be. I want to pour into you tonight uh, from this concept, from this concept. It's so apropos for what's going on in America right now. Of course, many people that listen, uh, many of our leaders that listen, are not necessarily in the United States of America, but the reality is is that it's something that's going on uh, in America right now, and so I want to uh, I want to make sure that we understand uh, this concept. I want to talk tonight from this concept: shutdowns, slowdowns, and showdowns. Shutdowns, slowdowns, and showdowns. Shutdowns, slowdowns, and showdowns. So we understand a shutdown right now. America is in the midst of its longest ever government shutdown, which means that the government is not operating with its full staffing capacity, and many government agencies are not operating how they were designed to operate with optimal efficiency. Whenever you're a leader, you're going to face shutdowns. You're going to face scenarios where things are not operating at the full level of their potential. Secondly, a slowdown. A slowdown is when things obviously are not moving at the pace that you would prefer they move at. They're slowing down. Things are not moving as fast as you want them to. Momentum's not there. It's seemingly uh, like a plateau. And then finally, a showdown. A showdown is when you must confront an enemy. And here's what you need to know. An enemy is anything that opposes your forward progress, leaders. And an enemy can be, watch this, it can be foreign or domestic. An enemy that is domestic is an enemy that's in your organization. If you're a church leader, it's in your church. If you are a business leader, they're an employee. If you are, you know, in education, they might be a colleague. 
uh, a domestic enemy is an enemy that is, in fact, at your table, but they're causing a disruption at the table. They are interrupting the flow at the table. Then secondly, you deal uh, with uh, enemies that are not domestic, but enemies that are foreign. Foreign would be would references an enemy that's on the outside. They're on the outside of your church. They're on the outside of your organization. They're on the outside of what you're doing, but yet they're opposing your forward progress. And so in that, I want to teach you tonight on how to navigate through shutdowns, slowdowns, and showdowns in this year, 2019, which is your year of manifestation. I need you to settle that within yourself that you are in a year and you are in a time of manifestation. And it's very important that you get that. It's very important that you wrap your mind around that. It's very important that you get that concept uh, succinctly settled within your being because the things that you have labored for, God says he wants to put those in your lap. The things that you have prepared for, God says he wants you to take possession of. The things that you have sown for, God says he wants you to see. But in that, you need to be prepared uh, to deal with some of the shutdowns, slowdowns, and showdowns that can happen. A showdown is where you have to confront one of those enemies, be be it foreign or domestic. It's when you've got to have a tough conversation with somebody to let them know we can't do this like this anymore. It's when you've got to have a tough conversation with an organization uh, externally that's trying to create an obstacle for you to deal with that. Ephesians 3.20, very familiar passage of Scripture. It says, now unto him who is able to do, y'all know it, exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. And so the Scripture there is super simple. It says, God is able. But ability does not necessarily mean reality. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly, above all, watch this, that we ask or think, which means what we pray for and what we imagine are, watch this, they may be our ceiling, but they are, in fact, God's basement. I'm going to say it again. They are our ceiling, but, in fact, God's basement. It says, according to the power that works in us, the power that works in us. Uh, there is a, uh, uh, a concept that I want to teach you, uh, and it's the concept of success. Now, when we think of success, lots of people say that they want to be successful, but they have no clue what it is, uh, which is why they don't achieve it. So we have to first define success, got it? Because if it's going to be a year of manifestation, that would then mean that it's going to be a year of success. In Jeremiah chapter 1, success is defined as this, knowing and doing what you were created and sent to the earth to do with excellence. I'm going to give that to you again, leaders knowing and doing what you were created and sent to the earth to do with excellence. When you're doing this, purpose wakes you up, not a paycheck, not people, not popularity. And if you'll hear what I'm going to share with you today, you'll be able to walk in manifestation and walk in success as a leader despite shutdowns, slowdowns, and showdowns. The Hebrew word often used for successful in the Bible is the word shalak, T-S-A-L-A-C-H, and it means to break out to be mighty, to go over, to be good, to be profitable. And in the Hebrew, uh, that's the language of our Old Testament, the word used for success is often the word yithrom, Y-I-T-H-R-O-N. It means to gain, to be better, to be excellent. So let's, let's review what God uh, uh, defined success as, to break out. As a leader, you're breaking out of boundaries. You're breaking out of mental blockades. You're breaking out of economic blockades. You're breaking out of emotional blockades to be mighty, to go over, which means you're not just going to, you're not going under this year, you are overcoming this year. And it means to be good. God says, whatever you do, I want you to be good at it. 
then it means to gain. God says, I want you to gain something. Listen to me, leaders. You didn't deal with the pain you dealt with of last year just to deal with it. You went through that pain so that you could have some gain. Y'all know the song, No Pain? Come on, finish it with me. No gain. That, that, that's, what, that's what you're at. It means to be better and to be excellent. Now, God wants us to succeed. And how do you know this, Bishop? How do I know that God wants me to succeed as a leader? Because maybe you're a business owner. Maybe you are an executive. Maybe you're a pastor. I, I don't know exactly what it is that you do uh, if you're live with us at the time of this recording or you're listening to the podcast on replay. But one of the names of God reveals that God wants us to succeed. One of the descriptive names of God that correlates with the phrase, the Lord of hosts. Uh, the Lord of hosts is a phrase in Scripture that means the Lord of armies, of angel armies. And then there's a descriptive name for God, Jehovah Sabaoth. Sabaoth. It means, listen to this, leaders, the God that joins his forces with the forces of his people, watch this, to succeed. I'm going to say that again. He's Jehovah Sabaoth, the God that joins his forces with the forces of his people to succeed, which means God says, with you as a leader, I'm going to need you to bring something to the table, and I'm going to join my forces with your forces, and you'll be able to succeed. Well, what are God's forces? He says he's the Lord of hosts. That means the God of angel armies. God says, I've got forces that are ready to favor you, that are ready to open doors for you, that are ready to create opportunity for you, that are ready to lay out what it is that's going to manifest for you. But I'm going to join my forces with your forces so that you can succeed. So based on this descriptive name of God, we then understand that it's actually God's name and desire for us to succeed. I need you to write that down, leaders, because sometimes you will think that God wants you at the bottom to try to teach you something. And while that may be true that sometimes when we go through battles, we learn, I need you to realize God wants us to succeed. I'm here to tell some leader tonight, God says suffering is great, but your suffering has come to an end. God says sometimes going through a valley is great, but your valley has come to an end because I want you to succeed. God wants you to be successful according to how he defines it, not relatives, not coworkers, not likes on Instagram, nor Facebook, not retweets on Twitter, nor hearts on Periscope. And we can only have real success, of course, leaders, when he's your Lord, not just your Savior, which means he's first because what's important to him is what is important to you, not just as a platitude, but as in practice. Here's what I've discovered from leading leaders for many years is that many leaders place expectations on those they lead that they do not live up to themselves. Many leaders have expectations of loyalty, of faithfulness, of dedication, of consistency from those they lead that they do not yet demonstrate themselves. And I'm going to tell you, in this year, God says you're going to have to make sure that he is first in, watch this, not just in platitude, but in your practice, but in how you live your life. Joshua chapter 1, verse number 8, introduces the term good success, okay, which implies, leaders, that all success isn't good success. And cultural glamorizes what supposedly signifies success, but just really demonstrates an internal deficit, right? If we look at culture, many leaders are chasing uh, what another leader has accomplished, not necessarily recognizing that that leader had to pay a price to accomplish that. That leader had to deal with pain that caused them to have that level of gain. And the Bible says good success, listen to me, leaders, it transcends money and material things. So check it out. Bad success is when things have you. Good success is when you have things. So it says Matthew 6.33, uh, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. 
Successful people make the things that things don't make them. Leader, listen to me. I need you to know that whether or not you, 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 you've got the best of the best or you're making it do what it do uh, with something less than the best, that the thing doesn't make you, you make the thing. Good success is you doing what God created you to do. Bad success is you doing what you want to do. Because 1 Corinthians six nineteen through 20 says you and I are bought with a price. Got it? So since we're bought with a price, as leaders, we need to understand it's not about what we want, leaders. It's about what he wants. Now, I know that's a simple concept, but leaders, we've got to make sure in this new year that that's a principle we're actually walking out, that that's a principle that we're actually living out, because it is unacceptable for you and I to somehow think that it is all right for you and I to not walk in what God died for us to walk in. A lot of the times, I'm somewhat um, confused, befuddled, even perplexed by individuals that have their own agenda that has nothing to do with God's order. Leaders, you've seen this in church where you ask someone to do something. And the basic premise of Christianity is submission, right? That's a basic tenet of Christianity, submission, getting under a mission. And so when someone, you ask someone to do something that is within your organization, they say, well, let me pray about it, let me think about it, it perplexes me because I'm saying, oh, my God, it's impossible for you to pray for something that you were asked to do because a basic principle and tenet of Christianity is submission to doing that thing that you were asked to do. So it's important that as a leader, you understand, what am I here for? What am I supposed to do? God, what's your plan for my life, not my plan? At the beginning of this year, I'm going to challenge you. If you made a lot of plans and never once prayed about them, I want you to rip those plans up, leaders, and go ask God what's his plan. If you got a lot of goals and a lot of resolutions of what you're going to do this year, and that didn't start with prayer, I need you to go throw that away because at the end of the day, you and I are bought with the price. I don't care if you're a business owner or a bishop. You and I are bought with the price, which means it's got to be what he wants, not what we want. Sometimes some of the tribulation we deal with is because we're doing our own thing, not his thing. Now, in this, please, please understand uh, that there are some principles. There's four quick principles that I want to give you that you're going to need as a leader this year such that you are able to uh, move in and move through uh, this year of manifestation. Four quick principles so that you can deal with, remember, shutdowns, slowdowns, and showdowns. As you're on your way to success as a leader, I need you to just write that down now. I am successful. I need you to write it down. Even if you don't feel like it, I need you to write it down. I need you to learn how to call things that be not as though they were. I need you to believe that life and death are in the power of your tongue. I need you to believe that you can decree a thing and that thing shall be established. Here's the first thing you're going to need to deal with, because on your journey to success, you're going to deal with shutdowns, slowdowns, and showdowns. And to do that, here's what you're going to need. Number one, the will to succeed. Nehemiah, I like Nehemiah. He starts as the cupbearer for the king, and he was eventually promoted as the governor And he rebuilt a major part of his city that was destroyed by fire in 52 days. I need you to catch that. He rebuilt a major part of his city that's destroyed by fire in just 52 days. And although he was successful, he still encountered three enemies. Although he was successful, he still dealt with shutdowns, slowdowns, and showdowns. Three enemies he dealt with. The first, his name was Sanballat. Sanballat means uh, uh, something that was bad. That was, that, that was dead tried to come back to life. Something that was bad died and tried to come back to life. This represents your past. Whenever you are a leader on a journey of success, you're going to deal with things from your past that pop back up. Maybe it was bad financial decisions. 
Can we get real leaders? Maybe it was bad credit decisions. Maybe it was bad relationship decisions. Maybe it was bad people decisions. You will deal with Sanballat's trying to come back up. Secondly, he dealt with Tobiah. Tobiah means people problems. Whenever you're on your journey to success, people will do crazy things that make you say, what in the world is going on? Where in the world are these people from? This is crazy. People problems are often an indication. Watch this. They're designed to be a slowdown. They're designed to shut you down, and what you need to do is have a showdown. You need to confront your people problems head on. I need to challenge you, leader. Do not sweep anything under the rug this year. Treat what needs to be treated. Address things head on. Have the tough conversations with people because you are not doing yourself a disservice. For some of you, you wouldn't handle it when it was a Tobiah, so it became a Sandalot. You would not handle it uh, head on, so the thing looked like it did died, but it didn't die. It really, uh, watch this, is just morphed into something else, and you're now trying to deal with it. The final enemy that Nehemiah dealt with is Geshem. And Geshem means rainstorm. This is when everything that can go wrong seems to go wrong. Uh, those are three enemies you're going to confront on your journey of success, shutdowns, slowdowns, and showdowns. And you have to have the will to succeed. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 6 says that despite their enemies, the people had a mind to work. Your will is your mindset, and your mindset must be success to succeed. Listen to me, leaders, no matter what it says. Stop slashing the other three tires just because one goes flat. Pump that one up, pump it up, pump it up, pump it up, and you need to go rule, reign, conquer, and subdue. Many times when we deal with shutdowns, slowdowns, and showdowns, we allow our circumstances to change our mentality. And as a leader, you can get so tired, you can get so warmed down, you can get so frustrated, you can get so angry, you can get so mad that what ends up happening is that you now end up sabotaging your own mission, your own objective. Let me talk to a pastor. You'll stop moving forward in your own vision because one person decided they weren't going to serve anymore. Let them go and ask God to raise up somebody better. Can I tell you they were in the way anyhow because they weren't doing it the way you wanted them to do it in the first place. Here's the second thing you need, leaders. You need the willingness to wait. In our culture, we're accustomed to, to instant everything, instant grits, instant oatmeal, uh, instant everything, right? But we often reject anything that takes time. But I heard a billionaire say recently, it takes about 10 to 15 years to be an overnight success. Listen to me, leaders. Jesus spent 30 years, 30 years serving faithfully, according to Luke chapter 4, 16. The Bible says that he went to the synagogue, as was his custom, so he was faithful to church attendance. So even if you're a business owner, you need to understand that faithful church attendance is important. And so if you're connected to Harvest, thank God for all of the digital. We've got seven digital ways for you to watch, Facebook Live, YouTube Live, uh, uh, our mobile app, Apple TV, Roku, Periscope, and we're always adding new ones. I missed one, our, mo our website. Thank God for the ability to be able to do that. So if you're over in Dubai doing business, you can still make sure that you're worshiping the most high. Jesus not only was faithful to church attendance, but the Bible says that he stood up to read. That was a serving position in synagogue. So Jesus spent 30 years serving faithfully, according to Luke 4, 16, to prepare for three and a half years of ministry. I'm going to say it again. You need to know, leaders, that you will spend more time in preparation than you actually do in actual possession. I'm going to say it again. You spend more time in preparation sometimes than you do in actual possession. Jesus spent 30 years preparing for three and a half. Moses spent 40 years preparing to leave the Hebrews in the wilderness. Waiting does not be, uh, mean being idle, though. If you grew up in old school church, you know, waiting on the Lord 
you know, they thought that that just meant you sat back and you were idle. You know, you didn't do nothing. You, you weren't trying to make anything happen. Waiting, according to the scripture, in Isaiah chapter 40, 31, you know it, says, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mine up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. That word wait means to serve patiently in expectation. To serve patiently in expectation. In other words, while I don't have it yet, I'm expecting it at any moment. I need you to write that down, leader. I need you to type that in your phone. There's some things that you're not in possession of yet. There's some things that you don't have yet that you are going to need to have an expectation that at any moment it might happen. At any moment, my phone might ring. Matter of fact, you need to start getting excited when your phone rings because it's getting ready to ring with opportunity. You need to get excited when you check your email because your email is going to have opportunity. Stop waking up with the, oh, God, here's another day. Instead, wake up and say, this is the day that the Lord has made, and I shall rejoice and be made glad in it. Today might be that day that that breakthrough shows up at my door. I am serving patiently an expectation. Sometimes if you cannot handle a small assignment, you will never be trusted with a big one. If you cannot handle, come here, Moses, the backside of the desert, if you cannot handle that, you will never be able to handle Pharaoh's, uh, a Pharaoh's court. If you can't handle menial, you will never be able to handle something that's magnificent. If you cannot handle uh, something that is small, you will not be able to handle something that's big. And leaders, we got to know this. I like to learn about plane disasters. Uh, I like watching these uh, shows uh, that talk about plane disasters. And here's why I like them, leaders. Because while they're tragic, they teach tremendous leadership lessons. Because most plane crashes happen because pilots forget their training under pressure. And that's why many leaders fail. When they stall, that's when you feel stagnant, you feel hopeless, you feel desperate, you feel like a failure because you're looking at another leader's success on social media and you're saying, why, why isn't that me, God? You're looking at another business person's success and you're saying, why isn't that me, God? While you're waiting on your breakthrough, waiting on your search, you, they forget. Uh, uh, they forget. And, and just like a plane, a pilot can do that, sometimes as leaders we can do that. We can stall. We're stalling on making a tough decision. We're stalling on taking that next step. We're stalling on doing what we need to do. So now we're dealing with shutdowns, slowdowns, and showdowns. And so uh, they forget their plane, uh, their training. And they forget, naturally, pilots do, that when a plane stalls, you don't pull up to get out of it. You point the nose of the plane down so you can gain your lift. You serve your way through anything. Can I tell you something? You serve your way through anything. Leaders, I want to challenge you. Serve your way through anything. I want to challenge you, leaders, because sometimes uh, we, we, we forget that, that we have the privilege of being able to serve. Serve your way through anything. If you're a singer, sing your way through anything. If you're a preacher, preach your way through anything. If you're a caretaker, caretake your way through anything. And when you feel like you're stalling, Here's what you got to get to. Here's the third principle. Only four I want to share with you tonight, leaders, to dealing with shutdowns, slowdowns, and showdowns. Is you got to have a mind to work. I think we live in a time and a generation now where many people, and when I say generation, I don't mean that in a chronological disposition, leaders. I mean that just with most people on the planet right now. Most people on the planet right now want to do very little, and they expect a whole lot. And Mark 10, 27 says this. Jesus looked up and said, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible. Uh, the most uh, important word in this verse is with, because we've often heard this verse to mean that God will do the impossible, and he can. But what's impossible is not always probable, not because of a lack of his ability, but because of our ability. That word with in Greek, the language of our New Testament, it means in conjunction with God. 
meaning to see the impossible become possible and probable, we've got to work with God. I need you to catch that, leaders. We've got to work with God. Which means, God, you do what I can't do, but I'm going to do everything I can do. I want to challenge you tonight, leader, while you're sitting back saying, I'm waiting on God to do something. Have you done everything you could do? I want to bring the best out of you. I want you to experience a year like you've never had before so that no matter what shutdown, slowdown, or showdown you're dealing with, you've got the ability to get past it. That's what Ephesians 3.20 says. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask to think according to the power that works in us. The word according to means as much as in us. The word power, you know this, preacher, so I don't want to spend too much time here. It's the word dunamis. And it has several meanings, but in this verse, here's what it means specifically, your ability to work. It's not enough to like the idea and imagery of success and not work for success. So if you want to succeed like no one else, watch this, leaders, work like no one else. Leaders, you will often be told you're doing too much, and often that's from people who don't do anything. Leaders, you will often be told by people you're a workaholic, and that's often from people who don't get work done. Do not let anybody criticize you for pursuing success in, in your organization, pursuing success in your church, pursuing success in your business, because they don't have a mind to work. That, in that verse, it says this, God can do exceedingly abundantly as much as, as much as we will work. Not that our work, watch this, necessarily creates the impossible, but here's what our work does. It creates trust. God knows that he can trust you with success. I want to ask you something, leader. If you look at some of 2018, would you say that there are some areas where perhaps uh, we've got to improve uh, of the ability for God to be able to trust us? You want to be a millionaire. Can you be trusted with that? Or every time do you get a little money, do you go squander it? And you're putting it on Instagram that you went out and I bought this, I bought that, I bought this, I bought this, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Maybe there's a reason God doesn't trust you with great finances because he knows that you wouldn't know what to do with it. Why trust a child with great resources? And I'm not calling you a child leader. What I'm saying is this gets the principle. Why give someone something that they don't know what to do with? That's dangerous. And we've seen it happen all in culture, right? You see people who achieve success. And they don't know how to handle success, and they got millions of dollars, and they're out wrecking cars, you know, I, you know, doing crazy stuff. And you're saying, oh, God, if I had that much money, I wouldn't do that. Well, would you, though? Would you? Would you? What would you do? God says, I need you to have a mind to work. And here's the final thing, leader. Here's the final thing so that you can deal with shutdowns, slowdowns, and showdowns and still be successful. Because you've got to have the wisdom to win. Ecclesiastes 10.10 says this, leaders. It says this, if the axe is dull and one does not sharpen the edge, then he must use more strength. But wisdom brings success. But wisdom brings success. James 1.5 says that if we lack wisdom, we can ask God to give it to us, and he's going to give it to us. And at Harvest, uh, last week, uh, we're in a series called Fruitful at the time of this call and uh, when this podcast is released. And in this series, Fruitful, one of the great things about this series is we talked about uh, wisdom and the spirit of wisdom, and so many great principles. I encourage you to go look at those messages on our YouTube channel. Uh, but one of the great things about wisdom is wisdom comes from three places. It comes from, watch this, number one, leaders. You're a, you're a leader tonight, and many of you have had long days. We do the calls in the evening, to, to um, and we're going to be making some changes to that here shortly. But we do the calls in the evenings. Many of you have long days. I applaud you for taking the time to get on the call and get wisdom. A lot of people say, God, I just need a mentor. I need somebody to pour in me. I need somebody to tell me. And then opportunities are created. They don't take advantage. 
there's not an there's not a lack of the abundance of information, but there is a scarcity of attention to the information that matters. We're often paying attention to the things that we don't need to know uh, at neglect of the things that we desperately need to know. One, wisdom comes through leaders. Okay. Number two, wisdom comes from labor. As you go through things, you learn things. Somebody asked me yesterday. They said, why is your tolerance so low now? I said, because I've labored through a lot with people, and I said, my tolerance is low because now I have the ability, watch this, I'm wise enough to recognize the signs of when someone's just not going to get it done and when someone's just not going to produce and when someone's just not going to achieve the desired goal or when a business relationship just isn't going to work. When, uh, of when an employee relate is just not going to work out, of when a leader is just not going to get the job done. When you labor through things, you gain wisdom. I want to challenge you to interrogate, one, the opportunities that you have to receive wisdom from leaders. That's why at Harvest, our, the faithful giving of the people of Harvest has made so many resources available for leaders that some are connected to us, some aren't. We make those resources available because I want to make sure that we leave a deposit with other leaders to pour into them so that they can receive from wisdom. But number two, Leaders, I want to challenge you to interrogate your labor. What have you learned from what you've had to do, what you've had to go through, the jobs you've worked, the companies you've ran, the jobs you were fired from, the jobs you were kept on, the jobs you were promoted at? What have you learned from the relationships and the people that you've had? What have you learned? You know, we often talk about betrayal. We often talk about Judas. Can I ask you something, leader? Did you learn something else? Did you learn, watch this, that it was, in fact, you that brought them close to you? And so it was you that brought them close to you. What in you desired their presence such that you could not perceive the knife in their hand? Hmm. Leader, we've got to learn. And let me tell you, I'm talking to myself. I have to sit back and learn that there was something in me that would often reach out to individuals that didn't actually want to improve, uh, and, and I wanted to see them do well. And so consequently, I have to learn from my labor. Here's the final thing, leader, uh, how you learn wisdom. You learn wisdom through losses. Let's be honest, leaders. Can we be, have an honest moment? It's okay. It, it, it's just me and you, right? It's just me and you. Let's have an honest moment. We've lost some stuff. We've lost time. We've lost energy, effort. We've lost money. We've lost opportunity. Uh, you can't lose friends. You can't lose friends. Anybody that can not, no longer be your friend was never your friend in the first place. You can't lose friends, so, so let's not say that. But, but we've lost some things. And we've got to take the opportunity to interrogate those losses and get wisdom from those things. You've got to have the wisdom to succeed. And it comes from leaders, it comes from laborers, and it comes from losses. And here's what I want to challenge you to do, because you're going to deal with slowdowns this year. Why? You deal with them every year. How do we know? The Bible says the reigns of the just and the undead. You're going to deal with some shutdowns this year. You're going to deal where, with some situations where it just seemingly stops, and now you've got to figure out how to get it going again. You're also going to deal with some showdowns. You're going to have to have some tough conversations. You're going to have to make some tough decisions. You're going to have to stop ignoring some red flags. You're going to have to stop uh, sweeping under the rug some actions of those that you leave, and you're going to have to make the decision to cut some dead weight. That's what you're going to have to do this year. And you're going to need wisdom to do that. So, again, the four principles, the dealing with slowdowns, or excuse me, shutdowns, slowdowns, and showdowns, and still succeed, number one, you've got to have the will to succeed. Number two, you've got to have the willingness to wait. Number three, you've got to have a mind to work. And finally, you have to have wisdom to win. Here's my challenge to you as we close up our time today, is take some time over these next seven days to interrogate, one, the resources made available by leaders. If you're part of the Harvest organization, please make sure that you're subscribed to all of the great resources we make available, even if you're not. 
I encourage you to do that. But certainly if I'm your leader, I want to encourage you to do that. Take advantage of the podcast. Take advantage of the YouTube. Take advantage of Facebook. Take advantage of these tools that are made available. Number two, I want to challenge you to take some time to interrogate your labor. Everything you've been through, everything you've gone through, interrogate it. Ask it some questions. Look at it and say, hmm, make some phone calls to people. Call some people. Get some clarity. Figure out some things. Interrogate your labor. And finally, look at your losses. Listen, I don't like, can I just be honest with you leaders? I like winning. You know, people say winning isn't everything, and I say, that's right, it's not. It's just what I do. I like to win. I like the excitement of winning. I like the chase of winning. Uh, many times for me, the win is, is almost more important than, than, than what you necessarily gain from the win, uh, but I like to win. And so take a look at where you lost, where you didn't win. That doesn't make you a loser because you had a loss. That just makes you an end of a human being. It doesn't make you a loser. We, you know, you heard the saying, we win some, we lose some. Interrogate your losses. If you lost some money in a deal last year, go look at that. Look at that situation. If you lost a relationship, lost a, lost a, a, a sense of confidence, lost a sense of victory, whatever it is, go interrogate it, leaders. And here's why. You need the wisdom to succeed. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray now for every leader that has been gathered on this time, gathered on this call, and subsequently those that will listen to the podcast. I pray, Father that this year, which is a year of manifestation, I pray, Father, right now that you would give them the ability to succeed despite shutdowns, slowdowns, and showdowns. I declare that they're going to implement these four principles and see great results in every area of their life. In Jesus' name we pray. All the wonderful world-changing leaders there. Amen. Hey, listen, again, this will be available on podcasts, on iTunes, and a variety of other channels. Get it? And would you not just get it, would you also leave a comment if it's blessing you and just say, I'm being blessed, leave a comment and share it with other people. Through the power of social media and so many other channels, we can reach people exponentially. And I want you to do that. Don't forget, we're going to be updating you soon as we transition into the Harvest Leadership Network, as well as providing some dates to you for some things that we mentioned uh, 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 that are going to pour into you and some great dates and exciting events we've got coming up for you to pour into you. And not just you, leader, but those you lead. Sometimes you need a third-party voice to reinforce. Sometimes you need a third voice to reinforce what it is that you have been saying to your leaders. I hope you have a great day. Hope you have a great week tonight, and hope you feel uh, leave this call completely empowered. Shalom to you. Have a great night. We made USAA insurance for veterans like James. When he found out how much USAA was helping members save, he said, It's time to switch. We'll help you find the right coverage at the right price. USAA. What you're made of, we're made for. Restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.